0: Thank you for tuning in to RTM Nation Online, where we believe that you will receive the abundance of peace, prosperity, security, stability, health, healing, and truth. If you would like to learn more about the ministry, click the link below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Now let's get into the message. You know, I would like to say this. I really, really did uh, want to say thank you for to my wife, Greta, for the lovely message she gave last week on Mother's Day. It was, it was beautiful, and it just, I don't know if any one of you know, but women taught at every campus yes. on Mother's Day. You give God some praise for that. Pastor Unika Mills did a fantastic job talking about, I might not get the title exactly right, but you need to stand in position till you get your promise. Yeah. Pushed, push what? push till you receive the promise don't sleep on that you might want to look that one up that was good too that was good too and of course pastor Deborah taught in taught in Tampa before I engage you this morning I heard the praise and worship person talk about a Smith story and I do actually have some Smith stories for you today so I don't know if if, if someone's been wiretapping my house or in my mind but doggone it, I do have some you know we we talked about my wife and I had gone to Vegas and I showed you some pictures, but there are also some things that happened in Vegas, and I want to share them with you. You know, really quick, we first got there, and we, we're, we had a very nice room. We were in a, in a suite, so when I got there and looking around, you know, I kind of sat down on the couch, and I was like, hey, babe. I said, hey, you know what? This is pretty nice. And thinking about the movie The Hangover, you know, I don't know if you've seen it. I'm sitting there on the couch, and I said, man, I said, we're in Vegas? We got a suite? All we need now is a a tiger and a monkey. She smiles and looks over at me. She says, well, we got a monkey sitting on the couch now. (laughs) And he's the biggest one to date. Oh, you got a little jokey jokes. I see you. I see you. That's the woman I'm living with. Now, Now, get this. We also were getting ready to go somewhere one day. And I brought a collection of, you know, sneakers, like three pairs of sneakers and, and then another pair of shoes. And I was asking her, I said, hey, babe, I said, so what? what is it, which pair of shoes should I, should I wear? She looks over and she says, well, wear those right there because they match mine. I said, that's not, that's not what I'm asking. I'm not asking you about which ones match yours, I'm asking you about which ones match what I got on. This is not about you. She smiles and she looks over at me, and she says, oh honey, it's always about me. I said, no it ain't. It might be about Jesus, but it ain't about you, this is about me. She smiles back at me and says, Okay, whatever you gotta tell yourself, baby. Of course I tell you those because in particular that last one, that last one really has something to do with what we're talking about here today. But let's let's go ahead and, and jump into this thing. Some time ago, family, we began our sessions on what we call our common sense sessions. Each session has a a very simple statement, at least one simple statement, that anchors the discussion. That statement is in very simple, plain words, so that makes it easy to remember, and the message hopefully contains details that attempts to sort of wrap everything together, tie everything together in a manner that you remember both the statement and the message that it sticks into your mind. More importantly, the hope is that you gain some knowledge, you gain some understanding, you gain some wisdom that improves your life. And improving your life, we have somehow promoted in you a future that is more stable and more enjoyable. We have two more sessions, including this one. On that subject of common sense, and the sessions, barring you know some part one and part two scenario, we we, we understand that could happen. The sessions would only extend uh, two more two more Sundays. The one today, the last five or so have been about relationships, and the one today is about relationships as well. What I would like you to do is I would like for you to turn to Colossians or Colossians, if I said that correctly. Chapter 3 in the Message Bible will be starting from verse 12. And as you get your your Bibles and your electronic devices there, if you have something to write with, allow me to give you your anchor statement, your Smithism for today. It is... Care reflects care. Care reflects care. Starting in verse number 12. So chosen by God for this new life of love. Just starting with those first words. That new life of love. We're going to have some discussions later in this year where we actually drill down and talk about what love really is. But for now, let's just accept love in the context of one's actions and caring for another. Turn to John. Chapter 14, verse 15 in the Amplified Bible. Now, that place in Colossians is what we're going to kind of call our home base. And by home base, it means that we're going to be going through Colossians, until Colossians 12 through 22 in chapter 3. But as we go through it, we're going to be jumping out into other scriptures and pulling in context and then coming back to home base. So our first jump out is in John chapter 14, verse 15, Amplified Classic. You know, family, love in God, love in Christ is not something that we just do in spurts. Love is a lifestyle. Love is something that's constant, it's continuous. Love is not something that you do every now and then. In John 14, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says this. If you really love me, you will keep obey my commandments. Essentially, Jesus is saying that if you really love me, it will show in what you do. Another way of saying it is love reveals itself through some form of action. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 21 in the NIV Bible starting in verse 28. Love expresses itself in some form of action. To to illustrate the importance of action over words, let's take a look at this parable that Jesus talks about, that he tells of the two sons. Starting in verse 28. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered, but later changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe them. I know that that parable has a lot of information and details that can flow in and out of a variety of messages, even messages including just sheer obedience. But what we wanna focus in on here is the fundamental idea that action speaks louder than words. Say that with me. Action Action speaks louder than words. In the parable, one, said, one son said that he would carry out his father's wishes, but he did not. The other son initially said that he would not carry out his father's wishes, but later turned around and did the will of the father. Jesus salutes the son that actually took action, not the one that just said he would. Talking a good game without follow through is superficial. It's what you elect to do that impacts me. Words alone are weak. Just giving me lip service, that won't cut it. It's what you actually do. That has an impact on me. When we're talking about action. If you say that you care for me. There must be some supporting action that supports that claim. If you say you care for me, I should be able to look around and see some caring going on. Why? Because care reflects care. If you say that you care for me and I have nothing that I can look around and see that supports that claim, it might cause me to wonder whether or not the words that are coming up out of your mouth are even worth the air they're riding on. When we say actions speak so much louder than words, we want to take a moment to be clear to everyone here that we are not trying to belittle when people give you words, when they express caring through words. We don't want to belittle that. When people actually say things like they care for you, they say that they love you, those kind of things, they're constructive. Those kind of things are appreciated. We don't want to downplay those, but when your words give way to action, when your words ultimately take a back seat to action, it's at that point that your caring becomes real to me. When action takes center stage, your caring becomes real. Action gives your caring clout. It gives your caring appeal. It gives your caring punch. It gives your caring power. When you begin to put action into what you say, when you begin to put action behind how you say you care, all of a sudden that impacts me. Why? Because your actions have a higher level of influence on me, much higher than your words alone ever could. Action makes more than just an impression. Say this with me. Saying you care for me, you care for me. Makes, an makes an impression. Showing me you care, you care. Makes, impact. makes impact. Very different. Yeah. Another statement I want you to say, then we're going to put them all together. Say this with me. Words may touch my heart, but actions capture it. Actions capture it. Action over words. When you say you care for me, it makes an impression, but when you show me you care, it makes impact because your words may touch my heart, but your actions capture it. When we're talking about that, I'm not just talking about action for action's sake. Family, we must take actions that matter. In relationships, you have to make an effort to express care in a manner that means something to the one you say you care for. Any old actions won't do. The action that I'm taking for you, if I tell you that I care for you, have to be actions that mean something to you. At times we can get so busy. And we can miss that point. One person in the relationship can be busy trying to do things for the other while all the while they keep missing the mark of the things that resonate to the very person they're trying to reach. If you've been with a significant other any length of time, what I'm getting ready to say to you, you've probably heard before. This statement, if you have been with a significant other for any length of time, this statement is going to make sense to you. You've heard it before. That statement is this. Just do what I asked you to do. Just do what I ask you to do. I can't count the number of times I've heard those or similar words coming out of my wife's mouth. Just do what I asked you to do. And I'm going to give you an example. And before I give you that, and it's, it's a very real, plausible example for our house. B- but before I give you that example, I want you to realize this. I'll tell you, I'll admit, I can be a bit of a busybody. And as of might say this with me, a Benjamin left alone, a Benjamin left alone. is not necessarily... A good idea. <laughs> I can I can be a bit of a busybody. It's it's very possible if you just don't know what I've built, you just don't know what I've done, you just don't know what I've gotten into. So I under I understand the the the, the behind this example that she has very valid reasons for saying what she's what she says to me. But let me just give it out there for you all to to see the grand picture. For example, let us say that Greta is getting ready to leave for the day. And she asked me to rearrange some furniture in a room by the time she returns. Now she leaves. And when she leaves, what do I do? I go to the grocery store, I stock the fridge, I begin to maybe make some dinner. If she got a ride with somebody else, maybe I wash her car. I might even, I don't know, fix the lock on some door that was kind of a little shaky. Maybe I start some laundry. Eventually, she returns. She returns, and she walks in, and she's like, hey, babe. I'm like, hey, sweetie, how you doing? She says, I'm, I'm doing good. So how was the day? I said, the day was good. I said, look, I went to the store. I, 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 I even started to Look, I Look, I even, I even start, started cooking dinner. And she says, I know it smells good in here. And a shameless plug, she says that because I'm mean on the pots and pans. <laughs> you better ask somebody to ever put a fork in some of my food, boy. I don't be playing. They be in there singing. They be in there singing. (laughs) But I'm going through my details. She looks at me and gently raises her hands to stop me. And she asks, did you rearrange the furniture in that room? I jump back in, looking to hopefully validate my actions and I said well no but keep in mind I went to the grocery store I started dinner she holds her hands up again and she says all those things honey are good but Ben just do what I asked you to do you see I had taken a lot of actions while she was gone I had gotten involved in a lot of activity while she was gone. Keep in mind, none of the actions I did were bad in and of themselves. All the actions I had taken were just fine, great, wonderful actions. But in all my doing, I had failed to do the very thing that mattered most to her. You see, in caring, a lot of times we could get busy doing a lot of things but continue to miss the mark because we are just not doing the thing that resonates in the heart of the person we claim we care for. If you would turn to 1 Samuel chapter 15, Message Bible, starting in verse 10. Ben, just do what I asked you to do. And keep in mind, that response from her, it never comes in a, in a hurtful way. It never comes in a, in a way that looks to, to crush all the things that I've done. Because you know what? I can't tell you to date A woman that wouldn't want to walk home and smell her husband then started some roast and gravy and some potatoes and macaroni and cheese and some. What? I I can't think of a woman yet that walks in the house and say, shame on you for doing that. (laughs) I'm talking about. What was in the dryer has been taken out of the dryer and folded. And what was up to be washed had been put in to get washed. And I'm, I'm, hey, I'm no slacker at this thing. In all my doing, though. It's very important that I never forget and never let myself lose sight of. I want to hit the mark of the very thing that resonates to her. Wow. In first Samuel, chapter 15, starting in verse 10. Now, God has told Saul. Through Samuel, I want you to utterly destroy the Amalekites. Don't leave nothing. Wipe them out. And here we jump in. God is speaking to Samuel. Then God spoke to Samuel. I'm sorry I even made Saul king. He's turned his back on me. He refuses to do what I tell him. He, the mean Samuel, he got up early in the morning to confront Saul, but was told Saul's gone. He went to Carmel to set up a victory moment in his own honor. Excuse me. uh, Thank you. He went to Carmel to set up a victory monument in his own honor. Ain't that something? It's just like me. I hadn't really done what my wife asked me to do. But when she walked in, I wanted to celebrate everything I had done. (laughs) Look at what a good husband I am. Once again, Completely oblivious to the very fact that, no, I really hadn't really done what she asked me to do. Saul's gone. He went to Carmel to set up a victory monument in his own honor and then was headed to Gilgal. By the time by the time Samuel caught up with him, Saul had just finished an act of worship. Having having used Amalekite plunder for a burnt offering sacrifice to God. As Samuel came close, Saul called out God's blessing to you. That's like me when Greta walked in the door. Hi, Greta. How you doing? Proud of myself. He calls out God's blessing to you. I have accomplished God's plan. God's plan to the letter. Samuel said, so what's this I'm hearing, this bleeding of sheep and mooing of cattle? Only some Amalekite loot, said Saul. The soldiers saved back a few of the choice cattle and sheep to offer up in sacrifice to God. But everything else was destroyed under the holy under the holy band. Everything was to be destroyed, period. Not everything except the stuff you thought you wanted to keep. Enough, interrupted Samuel. Let me tell you what God told me last night. Saul said, go ahead, tell me. And Samuel told him, when you started out in this, you were nothing and you knew it. Then God put you at the head of Israel, made you king over Israel Then God sent you off to do a job for him, ordering you go and put those sinners, the Amalekites, under a holy man. Go to war against them until you have totally wiped them out. So why did you not obey God? Why did you grab all this loot? Why, with God's eyes on you all the time, did you brazenly carry out this evil? It says Saul. Defended himself. He's getting ready to try to come up with a scenario, a case, a reason as to why his modified instructions are really God's instructions. Saul defended himself. What are you talking about? I did obey God. No, you did not. I did obey God. I did the job God set for me. I brought in King Agag, Agag right there was he said I brought in. It should have resonated something in his mind. You cannot bring in anything if you have truly destroyed all. I did obey God. I did the job God set for me. I brought in King Agag and destroyed the Amalekites under the terms of the holy band. So the soldiers saved back a few choice sheep and cattle from the holy band for sacrifice to God at Gilgal. What's wrong with that? Then Samuel said. Do you think all God wants are sacrifices? Empty rituals just for show. He wants you to listen to him. Plain listening is the thing, not staging a lavish religious production. The King James Version in that verse 22 says, to obey is better than sacrifice. God does not want large, lavish, showy sacrifices in an effort to please him. He just wants you and I to do what he asks us to do. Conveying your love and commitment through day-to-day, 24-7, all-the-time actions means so much more than large, showy moments of sacrifice. In relationships... Hear this clearly. In relationships, people can get into or find themselves in an unhealthy, sac- an unhealthy cycle of living by sacrifice. An unhealthy cycle of living by sacrifice. In other words... They kind of get themselves, they fall into the trap of depending on great, grand events to keep their relationship afloat. Their relationship have gotten into a pattern. A pattern, a life, a life that ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows through long periods of no engagement and then sudden spikes of the spectacular back to long periods of no engagement only to see spikes in the spectacular to return back to no engagement. They find themselves in a cycle that depends on grand events to keep their relationship afloat. What do I mean by grand events? For us that live here in Florida, a grand event could be something like a trip to New York or Hawaii. A grand event can be a trip to California or a trip to Greece. A grand event can be that all-inclusive paid retreat to Jamaica. A grand event can be that getaway in the mountains, whatever it is that means grand to you, that's what that getaway can be. And keep in mind, those events, those activities in and of themselves, they're not bad things. However, if those things are what your relationship hinges on, that's a problem. Your relationship can't hinge on the spectacular. As fine as taking a trip is, as fine as giving having a getaway is, as fine as the spectacular spectacular, spectacular event is, if that event is supposed to be the thing that resolves an issue that's really stemming from the lack of frequent engagement, that's a problem. Because the, the, the sporadic, momentary, months and months and months in between spectacular event, that one blip on the radar can't be the thing that keeps your relationship together. A pattern like that is just too choppy. It's too intermittent. It can't sustain a relationship. Say this with me caring is not intermittent, intermittent. it must be a consistent lifestyle. Intermittent caring won't caring won't get the job done. your caring must be a lifestyle. look you all know that last Sunday was Mother's Day and I pray that everyone here who is a mother or you know has people that look at them as a mother I pray that you had a very good Sunday when I think about Greta And as you know, we celebrated Greta as a mom here. And I thank you for that. I celebrated Greta at home and the children celebrated their mom at home being a mom. All of those celebrations, all of those thank you for being who you are and for what you mean, all those things indeed happened. And I am so thankful that they did. Later though, I said to Greta, I said, I want you to know that every day is your day as far as I'm concerned. Every day is your day as far as I'm concerned. And of course, she smiled at me. Family, but as affectionate as those words are. I can't leave that. I couldn't leave that. There's no way I can have the life with her that I have and leave that at words alone. I can't do that. My actions have to validate the caring for her that I say that I have. My actions have to prove me true. They have to prove me true in the fact that I say I care. My actions have to show up and validate me. So what do I do? I keep my wife, I keep Greta, I keep this woman in a constant zone of caring. I keep her immersed in a constant environment of love. And, and, and I'm not just giving this lip service. I'm real. I keep her immersed in an environment of love. I'm talking about her every time she opens her eyes, it's right there kind of love. I'm talking about her, she never has to wonder because every time she look up, ooh, it's right there again kind of love. I'm talking about just when she think it can't get no better. Oh girl, don't check yourself because here come a new level kind of love. <laughs> I'm talking about I keep her immersed in a cycle where the actions that show that I care are consistently and constantly bombarding her in her life. My actions validate me. And as my actions continue to prove me true. Her heart is mine. I don't have to wonder. I don't have to ask. It's not even up to her. I keep her in such a zone of caring, such a zone of affection. My actions bombard her so regularly that she has no defense against how she feels about me. No defense. Why? Because my actions validate me. Caring for me is a lifestyle. It's not something I do every now and again. It's not something that I do in spurts. I make sure that our relationship doesn't go through long moments of no engagement only to spike up to the spectacular and then go months and months again with no engagement. I keep that thing constant. If we have a moment of spectacular, it's already riding on top of doggone pretty good. If the relationship is somehow depending on solely the spikes in the spectacular to sustain it and trying to replace spectacular with the issue of being a lack of engagement, there is a problem. Greta knows without a shadow of a doubt that my caring is real because my caring is active my caring is a lifestyle it's a lifestyle and this woman right here cannot deny she cannot deny that my affections for her is real why Because my care, what I say, reflects my care, what I do. It is undeniable. As a matter of fact, it is so undeniably thick that it is even undeniable to the outside naked eye. I've been witness myself to people coming up to my wife and saying, that man right there cared for you. I'm not talking about friends, I'm talking about people, we were were in the car dealership the other day and the man at the counter interrupted us, came from around the corner to Mm -hmm. told my wife say, you better not ever leave this man. At first I was kind of concerned. Is he eyeing me? I ain't know what the deal was, but he came around. And then you know, he kind of clarified it, but he say hey, He say Hey, you don't know. He say He told Greta, "You better not ever leave this man. It is evident." how much he loves you. Remember that? Why? Because caring for her, for me, is a lifestyle. Friends and acquaintances in my circle, my caring for them is not spur of the moment. It's what I do as a lifestyle. To each and every one of you, hey, welcome to the Smith family. When I look at you, caring for you is not something I expect to do intermittently. No. It's a lifestyle. Your caring must be as consistent as a heartbeat if it hopes to ever touch the heart that it's looking at to care about. Say this with me. My care, care. what I say, say. must reflect reflect. My my care, what I do. return to Colossians chapter 3. Return to home base with me. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. It Starts with so chosen by God for this new life of love. Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion. Kindness. Humility. Quiet strength. Discipline. We're going to pick up there next time, family. I'm going to leave you today with these words. God expects us to live a life where how we say we care goes far beyond the words that come out of our mouth. His expectation is that our care is active. Active to the point to where the individuals in our life that we say we care about cannot deny the fact that we care. Because our caring is so real. It's real through our compassion, our kindness, our humility, our quiet strength, our discipline. And if we dipped our toe in verse 16, it says, even our being, even tempered. We want to get ourselves to the place to where we're not just giving lip service into this world. But the world will look at at us and without a doubt know that we are the people that demonstrate care, reflects care. We'll chat some more next week. Let's pray. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If you would like to help us further expand the vision, simply text the word GIVERTM to the number 41444 or visit us online at www.revealingtruth.org. Now remember, Jesus loves you.